We're going to continue this morning through the book of Genesis. So if you want to get your Bibles out and go to Genesis 17, I hope you have your uh, Genesis scripture journals. You'll also this morning may want to flip to other places that we're going to go as we see what God is going to do in the life of our friend Abram this morning. So Genesis 17, Renee is going to read verses 1 to 8. And before she reads, I just want to pray and ask God to meet us this morning. Father, I thank you for the reminder today that you are the God who sees us. And you don't just see us collectively, but you see each one of us individually. And that is a wonderful reality. And I pray that as your word is read and preached this morning, that you would see each person in this room where they are at specifically so they will receive what you want them to receive from your word this morning. God, you know that everybody in here is at a different place. They've had a different week. Some people are very tired and worn out and weary. Some people's faith is is downtrodden and others are soaring with joy and, and hopefulness. And so God, the beauty of gathering like this is that you don't just see us, but you see each one of us so that you can speak to each one of us exactly how and in the way that we need to hear from you. And so do that, I pray. Do that for my friends. May, may we each leave here this morning aware of how you minister to us, how you shepherd us, how you cared for us, how you spoke to us. Would you do that? And as we're in your word, I do pray that you would help us to understand what is here in Genesis. I pray you'd help us to believe it Help us to love it and help us to live in the good of it this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Genesis 17. Sorry, I didn't turn it on. Every Sunday. Sheesh, my niche. <laughs> Genesis 17, 1 through 8. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Well, some things in life are worth waiting for, and some things just aren't worth waiting for. Every day we make decisions whether we're going to do something or spend money on something or go somewhere based on whether it's worth it or not. 
Is it worth another trip to the store just to get ice cream? Yes, it is. (laughs) Is it worth fixing that old car? Is it worth renewing my gym membership? (laughs) I'm on that diet. Is it worth eating the pizza? Is that restaurant really worth the money? Is it worth trying to get my kids to eat their veggies? Every day we're faced with those decisions. About four or five years ago, Elizabeth and I went to Yosemite. And you guys ever go to Yosemite? And so uh, we went to where the, the falls are. There's a lower far, falls and an upper falls. And we, uh, we dilly-dallied in the morning, really kind of ignorant. We probably didn't do our homework like we should have. And so we did some little minor hikes. And then we're like, oh, look at this one. Let's try it. Well, in case you don't know, it is a seven-mile hike that, goes from, that increases in 2,700 feet of elevation. So we got to the first lower fall area, and we're walking around, and we're thinking, wow, this is worth it. This is so worth it. Look how beautiful it is. And then we realized we weren't even close to halfway, and we see people coming down. So we begin to ask them, is it worth it? And they looked at us, and they thought, well, can you make it is the better question, <laughs> because everyone coming down is in their 20s. And so we're like, oh, I don't know, man, can we make it? But the question was, is it worth it? So we, we, we did the hike. We, we made it to the top. There were points where the, the, the trail was narrow and covered in, in a little river, and you had to stop and wait for people to get by. And then you'd go up to the next little place. You'd come, and you'd see a beautiful vista, and your heart would just be filled with, with humbleness over how great and grand God is. And then you'd keep trekking up, and you'd get to the top, and it was majestic, and it was certainly worth the hike. It was worth the trip. And then it was our turn on the way down to answer the questions. Is it worth it? As people were coming up, no one asked us, can we make it? Because they saw us and realized, well, if you made it, we'll make it. (laughs) But they did want to know if it was worth it. And it was our chance to say to them, oh, it's worth it. It is worth every step of the way. Today in Genesis 17, we're going to see as because God is God Almighty, he is worth waiting for. He is worth walking with, and he is worth worshiping. God is mighty, and because he is almighty, he is worth waiting for. He is worth walking with, and he is worth worshiping. And so those are the three points for this morning. Waiting, walking, worshiping. Can you say that with me? Waiting, walking, worshiping. Those are our three points. So number one this morning, we're going to spend some little more time here. We're not going to get through all nine verses this morning, but we're going to camp out here for quite a bit. That God is worth waiting for. Or we could say God's ways are worth waiting for. It's worth your while to wait for God. It is worth your while to wait for God's ways to come about in your life. <clears throat> This would be really easy to overlook, I think, and just to move on. But I think God includes these words in verse 1 to capture our attention. It says, when Abram was 99 years old. I mean, I'm tired just reading that someone is 99 years old. But God includes that detail in there, and he does because of what he says in the last verse in the previous chapter, where we find out that at that time, Abram is 86 years old. I love this. So tell me, how many years have passed? I love the math. People are like, 13. The rest of us are like, two, four, six. 13 years. 13 years Abram and Sarai have waited for God to speak to them. He is now 99. 13 years took place. We just read chapter 16, go right into chapter 17, and don't realize, no, we need to pause for 13 years, and then come back and start reading and studying chapter 17. 
Because that's what it was like for Abram and for Sarai. At least 13 years have passed since the last time God spoke to Abram. Abram's got no Bible. Abram has no way to communicate or, or for God to speak to him unless God speaks to him. It's been 13 long years. And the last thing that, Hagar, that uh, Abram did was get Hagar pregnant. And now there's 13 years of silence. <clears throat> Abram has to be thinking, uh-oh, did God just abandon me? Did I blow it? Think about Ishmael. He's 13 years old. You've got a 13-year-old, and God has not spoken to you since that boy was born. And you're waiting. 25 years ago, God promised Abram and Sarah a baby. 25 years he's been waiting for that baby. That is a long time to wait. 25 years, 13 years. Listen, if Abram and Sarah were your friends and you were talking with them, your heart would break for them. You ever have a friend that had to wait a really, really, really long time for something? Or maybe they're still waiting and your heart just breaks. And and you want to go to God and say, why? Why the wait, God? Why do you make them wait so long? Now, in our culture, of course, we don't like to wait, do we? (laughs) We want to go, 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 rush, rush, rush. If the speed limit's 35, we drive. Aha! (laughs) So you're the one. When the speed limit on Route 70 went to 70, it means now you can drive. Exactly. If you wait in the line at Chick-fil-A for more than 15 minutes, it might as well be 25 years. How quickly you forget the days when if you wanted a chicken sandwich, mom went outside and killed a chicken while dad was kneading the bread. You order something off of Amazon next day. It doesn't come the next day. It takes two days, and you're on the phone with customer service, not only wanting a refund, but you want to keep the product. You text someone. If they don't get back to you within five or ten minutes, whoa, conflict could break out because you've waited so long. So it's crazy God would make us wait. Why would God ever want us to wait? And certainly it's unfathomable to think that God would have have Abram wait 25 years for a promise to be fulfilled. Yet what's even more crazy is that God tells us in his word how Abram dealt with waiting 25 years. Hebrews 6 tells us this. For when God made a promise to Abram, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And then verse 15. And thus, Abram, having patiently... Do we have that put on the projection. You got to see the words. I'm not making it up. Verse 15. See it? And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. He patiently waited. He patiently waited 25 years. He patiently waited 13 years between God speaking to him. It seems that Abram passed the waiting test. He did it. I mean, the guy's my hero for having waited that long. I think Abram knew that God was worth waiting for. And I think Sarai passed the test too. Hebrews 11.11 tells us this. By faith, Sarai herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful. So before she's conceiving, 
She considers God faithful because he made a promise. So not only does Abram pass the waiting test, but it seems that Sarai is passing the waiting test. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. It is difficult. I've been reading the book of Lamentations over the last year just to learn something about Lamentations. I haven't really spent time in it. And there's a verse in there about waiting that I've just been thinking about for months now. And so as I got to this and thought about Abram waiting, that verse just came to mind. So I want to share it with you. It's from Lamentations chapter 3. And it says this. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. The soul who seeks him, to the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly. That rubs against everything in my being. (laughs) It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth, that he bear the yoke of waiting, that young men learn what it means to wait. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. I think it would do our souls, maybe some good, mine, to really have a robust doctrine of waiting. You go to your Bible doctrine book or your theology books, you turn the pages, there's all kinds of doctrine in there, but I don't ever find one that has like the doctrine of waiting. (laughs) But it's a big one. It's huge. And God's perspective here of waiting is that it's a good thing. It's good for us. It should inform how we shop and drive and eat and parent, especially parent. I'm going to love it that he goes right after young men, especially. I feel like parents, this is something we need to apply. I want to encourage you to apply. If we're always giving our kids everything they want the moment they want it, are we really teaching them the way of waiting, God's way of waiting, God's good way of waiting? Do we know how to train our kids to sit in silence without a phone or a tablet? To sit in silence with God. Do we know how to train them for that? As adults, we're followers of Jesus. Do we know how to do that? Do we know how to wait? To wait in silence, to seek the Lord, just to sit and wait, just to wait for him, just to seek him, like the author of Lamentations tells us to do. I think that's part of God's plan for every day of our lives, that at some point every day we would find ourselves waiting. And instead of trying to push forward because we don't want to wait, maybe God wants us to embrace the waiting. Maybe God has things he wants to say to us in the waiting. Maybe he has ways that he wants to comfort us or lead us in the waiting. Well, Abram and Sarai, they learned all about waiting. Waiting for God is worth it. Waiting for God is worth it. Waiting for God to speak and work and reveal his plan is worth it. Abram concluded that God is worth waiting for. Do you join, can you join Abram in his conclusion? Well, after waiting 13 years, 13 years, God has some things to say to Abram so that Abram will know God the way that God wants Abram to know God. And so God breaks 13 years of silence with these words in verse 1. I am God Almighty, walk before me. Those are God's first words. 
He's not spoken to Abram, as far as we know, 13 years. And his words are, I am God Almighty. Walk before me. I mean, these words must have pierced Abram's heart. God is trying to help him to see that he is worth walking with. After all, he is God Almighty. So you're taking notes. No little point here I see is that God is worth walking with. So God wants Abram to realize God is worth walking with by God now revealing more of himself to Abram, by telling him more about who he is. Remember, this is the fun of going through Genesis, is we're building a a biblical theology of God. We're gaining knowledge of God as we walk our way through. We're watching characters, people, men and women, real men and women, learning who God is one little piece at a time. And so far we've seen in chapter 1, God just called himself God. Then we have Lord God in chapter 2. You guys remember when we got to chapter 14? He is God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Hagar sees him as the God who looks after me, the God who sees me. And now Abram is introduced to a whole new category for God. God Almighty. El Shaddai is his name that he speaks to Abram. Abram now knows something new about God that he did not know before. And listen, if I'm 99 years old, it's kind of good to know that God is almighty. Because I'm thinking he probably isn't feeling almighty at that point in his life. (laughs) I'm sure he's got to be feeling weak and tired and worn out. So at the moment that he needs to hear that God is almighty, God reveals that to him and says, no, I am God almighty. See, when you're in material need, God is the God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. When you are alone and suffering like Hagar, you want God to be the God who sees me. When you are old and tired and weak, when you are powerless to bring about God's plan, you want a God who is God Almighty. And so that's why God reveals himself that way to Abram. And Abram, I'm sure, must have been doubting. I mean, come on, when you're 99, your wife's 89, I know we, can, we can say, well, they lived longer back then. Not that much longer. I mean, they, where it says her body's worn out. I mean, they are done. They're, they're ready to die. And yet God comes along and says, well, I'm going to tell you who I am. I am God Almighty. I'm the God of all power. I'm the God of all might. I am the God of all skill, all ability. I am the God who has the ability to give an old man and an old woman a baby. There's no one compares to me in might, God says. I am the one and the only mighty God. Men and women may be somewhat mighty, but God is almighty. You may meet someone who's half mighty, but God is almighty. Maybe someone is semi-mighty. Maybe you know someone who's mighty some of the time, not God. God is mighty all of the time. He is mighty 24-7, and his might is not diminishing over time. It's infinite. It's not increasing. He is always almighty all the time. That's who our God is. He's infinite in might. This is the battery from our Polaris, our little four-wheeler that we have, and it is dead. It has no power. It has no ability to start our Polaris. It, it won't get it going. Listen, God has all the might that he needs to start everything in your life that he wants to start. 
So there's something you're waiting for God to start to do. You need to know this morning. He's almighty. He can do that. He can start it. He can get it going. I don't know if you're like me, but usually around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I look at my phone to see whether I have enough battery to get through the day. Is any of you? My battery's getting old, I guess. Am I going to actually get through the day? Am I going to make it through the day? Listen, God has all the power that you need to get you through the day. He's got the power to do it. He's almighty. Get your list of things that you want God to do. He can do them. I, I have a personal goal to never own an electric car. <laughs> never. I don't want to drive one. I don't want to own one. I've heard stories of people that are going down the road and their battery goes dead. And you're thinking, well, I've heard stories of people going down the road and they're running out of gas. Well, there's more gas stations than our charging stations, so I will never own an electric car. An electric car can leave you stranded where you don't get to your destination. I'm here to tell you that wherever God wants to get you, he's got the might to get you there. This is why I believe in this room. Every one of you is processing this a little different. There's something you want God to be mighty to do. There's something you're waiting for God to do. There's something you're wondering, is it really worth the wait, God? Come on, God. Do you have the might to do it? And, and you need to take whatever that list is in your head and funnel them through, filter them through this category. Look at how Abram interacts with them and really believe God is almighty. God will do what God wants to do. God is able to do everything he wants to do. And so in chapter 17, God really says to Abram, look, Abram, I am worth walking with because I have all the might. I have all the power. So if you want to be powerful, if you want to have power working on your side, walk with me. So he invites Abram. Abram, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. He invites Abram. Come walk with me. Literally this reads, walk in my face, Abram. Walk in my face. Walk in my presence. And the manner in which he is to walk in God's face and in God's presence is blameless, sincere, complete, whole, innocent. Walk, walk with me, Abram, whole and sincere and complete. Walk with Almighty God and find life, he says to Abram. You guys have read your New Testaments to know that the idea of walking is nothing new, Right? The New Testament is full of that idea of walking with God. We walk in newness of life. We walk according to the Spirit. We walk in Christ. And so here Abram is being asked to believe that God is worth walking with. And he's being invited, even commanded, to walk with God. And I think God fills it out. I want to jump down to verse 7 and 8. Because in verse 7 and 8, I think God fills out what it means to walk with him. What does it mean to walk with God? In verse 7, he says this, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you. To be God to you and to your offspring after you. And who's included in that? Us. We're a part of the offspring. So God is going to be God to Abram, and God is going to be God to us, to you this morning. And then he says this, verse 8, 
And I will give you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. I mean, those are two little phrases that are worth hours of meditation. Hours of meditation. God is going to be Abram's God. God is going to be your God. I will be their God. So the invitation to walk before God, to walk with God, means you have God as your God. So God is worth walking with, but he's not just a God Almighty. He's not just the God Almighty. He's worth walking with because he's your. He's your God Almighty. He's yours. And so you walk with him because he's yours. I have a friend who has a 19, a perfectly restored 1969 Shelby Mustang Cobra GT500 convertible. And it sits in his garage. And I was allowed once to sit in it, to start it, and to listen as the four barrel opened up when you hit the gas to the floor. And it was a beautiful thing. But it's one thing to sit in his garage, in his Mustang, It's quite another thing if it was sitting in my garage and if it was my Mustang. Do you see the difference? Maybe you've gone on a vacation. Maybe you've gone to Bermuda, Bahamas, and you've had a beautiful beach house overlooking the ocean. It's a beautiful sight, right? It's nice to have that beach house to look out over the ocean, but it's one thing for it to be a vacation rental. It's another thing for it to be your house on the beach. Listen, God is not just a God. He's yours. He's yours. He's making here with Abram a personal, I'm yours and you're mine. And we know that because of Christ, you can say the same thing. Christ is yours and you are Christ's. That you belong to him and he belongs to you. That he invites you to walk with him and we want to walk with him because he is worth it. Jesus touches on this in John 8. This verse is going to go on the screen. Get your brain going, because it's a little bit tricky to wrap our heads around. But this is where Jesus goes with this idea of God as being our God. He's talking to the Jews, offspring of Abraham. And they ask him, are you, they're talking to Jesus, greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say, and here's our phrase, he is our God. So I think they're getting that from here. They're getting that from Genesis 17. They would say, he is our God. And Jesus is going to Genesis 17. Yes, he is our God. That's what you're saying. And then he goes in verse 55. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. Ouch. There's a zinger. But I, do not know, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And he, was, and he saw it and was glad. Something happened on this day. I don't know how partial Abram's seeing was. But Abram saw enough to know that when God said that he is going to be your God, somehow he saw Jesus' day. I don't know how, I don't know to what extent, but he saw enough that Jesus says that he was glad and he rejoiced 
when he saw that day. Somehow Abram made the leap from sitting there with God, only having shared a few words with him, to Jesus who would come, and that somehow we would know God as our God through Christ differently than Abram would. And Abram looked ahead to that day, and it says he rejoiced. His heart was filled with gladness as he somehow, to some degree, knew Jesus' day. The day when we could say with confidence, oh, God is my God because of Christ. And Christ is mine, and I'm his. And Abram saw that. He saw that day. And I think Abram would say, it's worth waiting for. I think he would say to us, it's worth waiting for. Walking with Jesus is worth it. And so Abram responds. I think God is trying to help Abram to see that he's worth waiting for. He is worth walking with. And then Abram now responds to God. And I think we could say that God wants us to know this morning that God is worth worshiping. God is worth worshiping. What does Abram do in verse 3? What to do? Yeah, he goes down on his face. So if you've been with us a while, you understand why I'm choosing the word worship here. We did a study, however long ago there was now, where we got together. We distributed all the verses on the word worship. We read them out loud, and we studied it together. And we realized that there's not one verse in the entire Bible that connects worship and singing. Not one. And that every time the word worship is used, either an animal is being slaughtered for a sacrifice, or someone's on their face. Every time. So when I see Abram here on his face, I can call that worship, because I think that's exactly how God would describe it. God would say that he was worshiping, that he got down, he worshiped before God. But what's funny about this, I think it's meant to get our attention, is what does God tell Abram to do? What is God commanding Abram to do? What's he say? I am Lord God Almighty. What's he tell him to do? Walk. Walk. And what does Abram do? He's like this. Now, I don't know about you, but there's quite a difference between walking and falling down on your face. Right? And yet, what is Abram doing? He's down on his face. So what's up, Abram? He is severely confused, isn't he? I mean, come on, come on. Simple instructions. Walk with me. And get, get up, Abram. What are you thinking? He's a confused dude. Or is Abram giving us a picture of what it looks like to walk with God? I think Abram's response is meant to give us, the reader, a picture of what it actually means or looks like for someone to walk with God. Maybe walking is worship. Maybe walking is falling down. Maybe walking is resting in God's ways, coming under God's authority. Maybe walking with God as your God is actually humbling yourself under God's timing. Maybe walking with God is is accepting with faith and joy that you might have to wait for something. That God might be calling you to wait as you walk. See, I think there's a heart attitude here that I think we're supposed to get from Abram, right? Abram is trying to tell us that God is worth waiting for. So I'm, I'm going to get down before him. God's ways are worth waiting for. So I'm going to get down low. He is God Almighty, so I'm going to stop trying to be so mighty. His ways will come about, so I'm going to try not to push his ways forward. Instead, I'm going to wait for God. 
So I think there's two reasons why Abram falls down. I think he falls down because he recognizes he's God Almighty and I'm not. And so he gets low and he humbles himself before God. He says, God, you're, you're Almighty, I'm not. You're eternal, I'm not. You're, you're worthy, I'm not. And so Abram falls down. And his body language, I think, is a picture of his heart attitude as he humbles himself under God. And I think Abram also falls down like that because he realizes what God is asking him to do when he says to be blameless. Now, I don't think he's asking Abram to be perfect, but he's asking Abram to be sincere, for Abram just to be innocent, transparent, open and honest with God as he walks with God. And I wonder if one of the other reasons Abram goes down like that is because he realizes, I am in so much trouble. I don't know how to be honest and innocent and transparent with you, God. And so he goes down low and humbles himself on the ground before God, as if to say, God, I need you. I need you to speak to me. I need you to help me. I need you to walk with me. See, this little teeny section of Scripture really is about the worth of God. And if you really think God is worth it, do you think that if God is almighty God, possessor of heaven and earth, if he is El Shaddai, all-powerful, able to do anything that he wants in your life at any time, then certainly he is worth walking with. Is he not? Don't you want to be close to somebody who's got that influence on your life? And he's worth humbling yourself under. He is worth worshiping. He is worth saying, you're in charge, I'm not your way, not my way, even if it means waiting. So I just want to ask you this morning, and I'm going to actually give you a few minutes just to sit. You can talk to your neighbors. to so just think about maybe something you're waiting for. And just to ask yourself, are you waiting with Abram's perspective? Are you waiting, believing that God's ways, and God himself is worth waiting for? Are, are you waiting with Abram's perspective and waiting while walking with God? Are, are you waiting... And walking with God with a heart of humility, saying, God, you are in charge. However long you want me to wait, I'm willing to wait. That's a hard prayer to pray. That's hard. So I'm going to take a minute, and I just want you to think. I want you to think through that. I want you to put yourself in Abram's shoes and his waiting. Think about the things you're waiting for, and just let God speak to you this morning. Write down some things that maybe God is saying to you about waiting and what you're waiting for. And then we'll go ahead and we'll sing a song in a minute. Thank you. Father, I, I pray for my friends who are in a time of waiting. I ask you to please give them hope in waiting. I pray that you would please draw them near in their waiting. I pray, Jesus, you would give them the gift of submitting to you in their waiting. God, I pray for anxious thoughts and anxious minds who are overwhelmed by the reality of waiting so long or waiting for something or waiting for you to move. I pray that you would release them of the stress, release them of the anxiety. pray you give them peace as they trust you. And Father, I pray as a church that you would please show us what it looks like for us to 
submit ourselves under your sovereign hand in every and all situations. We don't know what tomorrow holds or next week or next month or next year. We don't know what you're going to have us wait for. We don't know what you're going to have us wait for as families or as individuals. And so I pray that you would use this story in Genesis 17, not only to comfort and encourage those who are waiting now, but would you please prepare us for future waiting? I pray, God, that these words would echo in our hearts when we find ourselves waiting this week or next month or next year. Would you bring this situation with Abram and how he waited patiently back into our hearts to encourage us when we find ourselves antsy and anxious about having to wait. And God, I pray that for each one of us and as a church, when we find ourselves in those times of waiting, God, that we would joyfully submit to you, that we would joyfully join you in learning and being conformed in any ways that you want during that time. Certainly, God, while we're waiting, you're working. And so we don't want to miss what you're doing when we're waiting. And so please soften our hearts, open our eyes and our minds to exactly what it is you're accomplishing inside of us when we wait. May our hearts be like Abram's. May we get down low before you. May we surrender all of our waiting to you. May we declare that you're the almighty God and we're not, that your ways are different than ours and whatever you want to do, we want to obey it and, and submit to it. And so bless us, I pray. Help us, I pray. Do in us what we and our culture does not want to do. And that is rejoice in waiting. And so minister to my friends even now as we sing. Bring grace down upon hearts that are anxious and tired. Hearts that are struggling to trust you in the waiting. I pray that these songs would bring encouragement and great faith to them. In Jesus' name, amen.